0: Delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV. Taking a bite out of technology. Hello and welcome to episode 506 of The Two Techies for Saturday, May 9th, twenty twenty. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in Rundanar or less. With Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. We come together once a week to discuss, debate, converse, scrutinise, and explore the world of tech. This week, cord cutting explodes in the first quarter of 2020. Qualcomm should recognize Apple as a significant threat to their core tech. And technology giants endorse working from home. Welcome, good morning, afternoon, evening, good night, whatever it is, wherever you're listening from. Thank you for taking the time to join us on what is the 506th episode of the show. The second episode in May, and. the uh, well, we'll not do the math for twenty twenty. We haven't prepared that that far ahead. This is a, a podcast we devoted to technology news. What's happening in the technology world? Week on, week off. And we're continuing to do so amid what is a lull of technology news, obviously due to the elephant in the world, which is COVID-19. However, in saying that, things are are continuing on. You know, the, the world needs technology, uh, especially during certain unprecedented times like these. So technology is continuing. There will be, no doubt, a knock-on effect on releases and new technologies and developments, but that's just to be expected and we'll work with it comes in a week where a new wave of cord cutting is evident being quoted as the death spiral of pay tv is that the case or is it just a, a timely event which has happened due to the circumstances at the minute qualcomm we all know what Qualcomm are, at least a lot of us will, in terms of what they do in the technology world, core cellular technology company. They should be worried because Apple have more and more so over the last few months, few years, indicated that they are interested in developing their own core technology in that field. They've also poached some of Qualcomm's employees, so like, it's not quite a conspiracy. And then Facebook and Google and other large tech companies are endorsing the work from home. Amid what we're going through, and I guess they're seeing some sort of positive results from it. So we'll talk about that as well. First, hello, Arne. Hello. How are we? I'm pretty good.
1: Yourself? Mm.
0: Yeah, it's lockdown is, I mean, it, it's, it doesn't tedious. make for the most interesting of weeks. Yeah, exactly. So I can't say a lot's happened, but uh, trying to
1: stay productive. I mean, what day of the week is it? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think the show actually is the flagship for the week. It resets the week. It is the only way I... have been doing something for 10
0: years on a consistent more. basis. Yeah. That's true. When, when you do something on a consistent basis for us at an, an elongated period of time, I guess it does become sort of a pivotal part of identifying
1: where you're at. It's Wednesday, right? I thought it was Tuesday. Wait, no, Tuesdays feel like <laughs> Thursdays.
0: Mm. Yeah, we'll go for Saturday.
1: Uh, so yeah, as you said, a lot has
0: happened this week. Uh, we're going to get onto the news shortly. Before that, we'll go to the quick news.
1: Uber lost $2.9 billion in the first quarter of 2020, the biggest loss in three quarters. The company also reported $3.54 billion in revenue. Gross bookings in its ride-hailing business fell 3%, while bookings in its Uber Eats division were, surprise, surprise, up more than 54% year-over-year, thanks to increased demand for food deliveries. Uber's ride-hailing business has plummeted as a result of widespread shutdown orders due to the current pandemic. The company announced this week that it would lay off 3,700 full-time employees for about 14% of its workforce. Another 400-plus employees from Uber's jump bike and scooter division will also be laid off as part of an investment deal with Lime.
0: Facebook has apologised after its latest software update crashed rival apps on iPhone's and iPads. Popular apps such as dating service Tinder, music streaming apps Spotify, and video platform TikTok were among those rendered unusable. The problem affected apps that had been integrated with the, quote, login with Facebook feature, which eliminates the need for a separate username and password. Facebook said it had, quote, identified the issue and quickly resolved it.
1: The NHS has released the source code behind its coronavirus contact tracing app, Well, the 40,000 people so far have installed the smartphone software. The health service is targeting the Isle of Wight only at this stage, but it says this is the first stage of the app's rollout and not just a test. Tests carried out on behalf of BBC News confirm the developers have found a way around Apple's restrictions placed on the use of bluetooth in iphones and finally mobile operator
0: o2 and broadband giant virgin media are to merge creating one of the uk's largest entertainment and telecoms firms and a major rival to bt liberty global which owns virgin media and spain's Telefonica, which owns o2 said they had agreed terms for joining forces consumer group which called on the competition and markets authority to investigate the deal Instead, the tie-up could, quote, have a significant impact on consumers, which added, neither provider stands out in our recent customer satisfaction surveys, and any merger should only be allowed to go ahead if it delivers positive outcomes for consumers. O2 has about 34 million mobile phone users, while Virgin has 6 million broadband and cable TV customers, and another 3 million mobile users too. As well as having its own subscribers, O2 provides the network for Tesco Mobile, GIFGAF and Sky Mobile. Not great times for Uber, and that's to be expected, given what's happening. Not everyone's wanting to go somewhere, and if you do want to go somewhere, you're not necessarily wanting to get in a car with someone you don't know based on you don't know where they've been and so on and so forth. I think what Uber did in the creation of Uber Eats was... Brilliant foresight and, in my opinion, is probably holding the company up quite well right now. Even though I I appreciate they're going through difficult times, obviously any layoffs are never good, especially when it's 14% of your workforce. However, and it's not to justify it, but... That could have been much worse if they didn't have their subsidiary, Uber Eats.
1: I assume it's the same for all delivery companies, you know, Just Eat, Deliveroo, Uber Eats. They're all yeah. going through, uh, you know, probably the, along with delivery people and, and places like Amazon. They're, they're the few companies that are actually kind of thriving in this time. Mm hmm. Facebook, I,
0: yeah, crashed other
1: apps. Log in with Facebook. I, I I, like the convenience
0: aspect if I were to do it. I don't, but if, if I were to use the feature, the convenience aspect does appeal. I, however, have severe reservations about logging in with Facebook for anything, including logging in with Facebook for Facebook, let alone another app.
1: Facebook really are like, I don't know, they are a virus that just won't disappear from this planet. Um, the login with Facebook is clearly trash. It doesn't get tested, clearly. Um, it's I think it's one of the big reasons. Was it last WWDC, the year before, they uh, Apple introduced the whole login with Apple thing because I think they just got sick of all these other companies, you know, janky implementations of um, login with XYZ social media site, um, you know, and especially, you know, not even getting onto the pre- privacy side of it and how terrible it is from that if you use the login with facebook please don't This <laughs> is simple as like just stop being lazy put in an email address and a password and just use the actual service or login with apple or something just avoid logging with google login with facebook they're all just plagues upon apps it's just terrible and this and, happens
0: and the problem is it's a privacy concern because if, and and senior web developer, please advise here, but if you're using those services to log into other services, all it takes is a compromise of the main source or the main service you're using to potentially then unveil and leak and cause privacy concerns for all of the other apps which are using the main app, no?
1: In theory, it should actually have the opposite effect. In theory, using um some kind of login with um button or or SDK or whatever you want to call it should in theory mean that there's no how do you explain it? A lot of them you can do slightly different implementations of it, but a lot of them won't just generate you a username and password and they'll call it a login with Facebook. It actually uses things like OAuth and whatnot. So there is no password to be leaked. I guess the only way if they had your Facebook password, then yes. You know, you, you may compromise five things at once instead of one thing. Um but to be fair most people just reuse the same password password anyway so it's kind of a negligible impact I think um, there's a just a slew of Reasons this stuff shouldn't exist. Um, app makers should be more dubious about putting things like the Facebook SDK um, or any. There's there's a lot of these tracking SDKs, but we'll just talk specifically Facebook. Um, you don't even have to use the login with uh, in your app. Just putting the Facebook SDK in for whatever reason is like a huge privacy concern. Even if the person doesn't have a Facebook profile, it's you know well documented that this stuff can build up profiles without you having a profile if that makes sense so even if you think you're off facebook you, you don't have an account etc cetera, etc cetera, spotify tiktok they might all be uh be leaking to facebook on your behalf
0: mm-hmm still dubious you haven't convinced me yet you're you're a pro facebook advocate right
1: i have a long track record on this show of obviously <laughs> you being you a stated a case huge or two. fan of the zuck and uh, the book huge fans mm, irony yes. is i actually really love the movie the social network Aside, you know apart from that
0: i i have not watched that movie in years i mean that was 2010 wasn't
1: it that I'm sounds sure. about right. I mean, to be fair, that was probably when Facebook were not the worst company on the world in the world. Mm. Yeah, 2010. You're right. Um, I think I think we were still like oh, hot new startup kind of thing because they're only like three four years out of I guess going global at that point. Um, yeah, oh, man, that was 10 years ago. It's crazy. They
0: didn't have the clout. They didn't have the numbers they had, and so they didn't have the authority. It's actually scary to say the authority. I just stopped midstream there because that is, they do have authority because they do have clout, they do have numbers, but it shouldn't be the case. They should just have insignificant influence, but instead they have very significant influence and authority.
1: I think that's that's the big word. That's the key word, isn't it? It's influence. It's, I think that's something that the likes of MySpace, um, Bebo, Pixel, all the kind of predecessors never really had. And I know people always say Facebook replaced MySpace, so anything can replace Replace Facebook, but I think that's the key. difference. I think we're past just, that stage. Like, well, it's not just that, but I think it's the key difference this time around. Is whilst yes, Facebook have more users, I don't know if that's the number one reason that they can't be replaced so easily. It's that influence they have. Facebook are a juggernaut. They are these companies are bigger than some countries at this point. Like it's hard to understate just. How much of a stranglehold the likes of Apple, Google, Facebook have on the world? Like these companies combined probably have some scary valuations and absolutely scary numbers. And especially when it comes to Google and Facebook specifically, where they don't actually produce anything or make anything. they just, you know, ones and zeros on some screens. And we're talking tens or hundreds of billions of dollars a year. It's crazy. So big, in fact, that just this
0: week, Facebook announced their, quote, Supreme Court members. They will have an independent board set up to have the ultimate say over what controversial content should be taken down. (laughs) The panel said they will judge, quote, some of the hardest cases out there. Okay, I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but we'll let them have it. Facebook said it, quote, represented a new model of content moderation. Initially, there'll be 20 members. There are plans to extend it to 40. They'll be hearing cases later this year. At first, they'll be deliberating on content that individuals feel has been wrongfully removed. But in following months, we'll also look at appeals from users who want Facebook to remove content.
1: I think just to even go one step below that, I think being a part of Facebook's content moderation team is not a job I would want. Those people see some stuff (laughs) on all sorts of sites. Just honestly, I I bet they must, the things they must, you know, take home with them, not literally, but I mean the memories and whatnot, must just be like horrible. Um, We are lucky to live or or to kind of, I think, live in a world where content moderation, whilst we do harp on a bit sometimes about how bad it can be, at least Mm. it exists. Like there are some stuff, there is some stuff that we are quite blissfully unaware that we are shielded from. And it's teams like that on social media websites and on other websites around the world that I don't think get enough praise um, we're quite happy to jump on the oh they missed this one video um, or they made this one wrong decision type thing but the hundreds if not thousands of things they must remove have to review every day like from just all walks of life um, must just be absolutely horrible. Um,
0: and you're talking from the the greatest most ridiculous conspiracy theories and I say that because of this whole one going around them in about 5G and coronavirus. Please don't start me on that again. Or to <laughs> friends and family airing their dirty laundry out to, to get to raise a point online which I just don't never have I, I, never I, I, that
1: is, I don't mean any of that I mean none of that I'm oh not, I know
0: I know but I, I'm talking about going from that you know oh yeah the, the, from, from something so trivial to something so serious in terms of impact I you know 5g conspiracy theory quote or to as you say the potentially what what will be illegal um, not moral in other ways uh, just things that as you say you you know, just aren't for for that medium at all. Don't
1: belong on it. They would uh, they would go beyond the NSFW tag on Reddit, and it would be the NSFL tag type content, not safe mm. for life. Um, but
0: it it does it, in my eyes anyway. It flags how significant of an impact Facebook has at this point in time when they're setting up an independent panel to moderate what is allowed and what is not allowed during appeals.
1: Hundred percent. I think when you have was it 2 billion users or more? I don't I don't know. I don't know what they're at now. I think this stuff is kind of inevitable. Again, mm. another thing that's changed over the 20 years kind of since MySpace and Facebook began is just the sheer number of users connected to the internet. Facebook just happened to luck into a world where at the time when Facebook was getting big, smartphones were getting big, the internet in your pocket was getting big, um, which has really helped the uh, uprising of Facebook. And in turn, it's really helped the influence the number of people you can reach what you can say there are so many we talk about it all the time the internet is full of keyboard warriors just go on any reddit thread or any twitter thread like just people who will hide behind the internet clearly not afraid to say things um people don't put much thought into what they type and what kind of impact it may have that happens all over the internet all websites seem to have all kind of big social media websites seem to have some kind of influence like that like i th- I just think it's full of a pe- people who i don't sometimes it's individuals I I think individuals are just mean on the internet but that's just how it is you just gotta look at any kind of YouTube comment section but we, we talk more and more about how every time we lead up to an election or something it is organized um, influence isn't there it was one of the big things that came out of the 2016 US elections is just how much sites like Facebook deliberately not saying from Facebook but uh, people companies used Facebook to be a deliberate influence on things like the elections like when when, when a, a social media website, a website, anything on the internet has actually got to the point where it can influence who becomes the president of a country or what laws get passed, that's when you know it's like, okay, they probably need things like this, this Supreme Court stuff.
0: I agree. I, I, I think it's a shame that it's gotten that big because it's it's a company that profits off what is on it, and that's a lot of the time overlooked, and that's why they are not too sound extreme but or could be dangerous and do have an impact and an effect alas it's not a it's not a story for for this week <laughs> We've kind of made it one, but um, nonetheless, logging in with Facebook didn't work for some apps that that was the moral of the story. The NHS have um, revealed the source code. I, I was disappointed. I was really disappointed that they clashed with Google and Apple and basically rejected their offering because not only could a Google and Apple have done a better job, no doubt, um, the NHS really don't need this excess Burden, in my opinion, at the minute.
1: Oh, I, I get it, but oh boy, do you want to talk about something that caused some controversy this week? It would be this mm. app. Like, I did not see one positive thing about it, and the worrying thing for me is, I'm 100 with you. The not teaming up with or taking on board Apple and Google's kind of solution is just bonkers. And then it turns out that they're actually having to, and the NHS are actually having to use a loophole in the iOS system that Apple can and will. Close at any time. <laughs> <laughs> because I believe what? with yeah. iOS has some pretty harsh and valid restrictions on Bluetooth in the background and the NHS app entirely relies on Bluetooth in the background. So basically, I think the NHS are at the point where they actually need for this contact tracing app to be effective at all. They need it to be primarily Android users. And I believe I read a few people saying newer Android versions have similar restrictions. So it might just be they need to have a large number of older android users to get kind of a mass to get this thing to kind of work at all it only works if it has huge adoption obviously um and when apple and google are literally working on something to solve this for the world not to profit out of it that they're making something they've actually teamed up they've put their differences aside they've teamed up it's like we're kind of over like overlooking how historical something like that is. Um, it's not a money thing. It's not a kind of mm. a, I'll, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your thing. It's literally a they're teaming up to help the world and the NHS and other countries. I don't think we can just sit here and bash on the NHS. have no, gone. No, no. Nah. Like these are the people who make these phones. They will be able to they don't have to worry about restrictions because they can remove them for themselves. Bluetooth restrictions don't matter. We'll just remove them for ourselves. Like these are the per- Perfect companies to build this type of stuff. And I just, it frustrates me that the NHS went, nah, maybe the NHS have a valid reason. It would actually be really interesting to, I'm, I doubt we're going to hear it anytime soon, but maybe in a couple years time uh, from someone who's worked in that division or, or worked on the app, it will be interesting to hear if there was or is a bunch of, of valid reasons behind it. Um, there's been some big concerns around data privacy as per usual. Yeah. Um, again, something that weirdly we'd probably trust more to Apple and Google than to uh, the UK government because it'll probably get left on a memory stick on a train or something. Um, that's kind of there. They're never going to live that one down, are they? Um, for, for, for me, sorry to interrupt. For me, the, the problem
0: here is, OK, well, there's two problems. Number one. In no way, I'm saying this, and it <laughs> probably makes you sound ungrateful. So the NHS is a fabulous, fabulous organisation. And those who work in it are worth their weight in gold. And that was before COVID-19. Anyone who's had to ever use the, you know, the NHS, and I guess that's most people, will know, okay, people are good to, and quick to moan about it, about the waiting times, or etc. Cetera et cetera. Well, number one, think about it. It's it's a service which is set up for everyone. It's not exactly free. You do pay it through your taxes and your national insurance, but that's the whole point. But you're receiving an excellent quality of care, basically, without having to do any administrative work. If you need emergency um, medical care, you go to NA, you go to the emergency department and you will, get sorted. Mind, you, will you will be seen. You, you will
1: be treated. Bearing in mind as well, medical stuff we know is like, it could be £100,000 worth of treatment. But it doesn't matter if you're in the top one percent or the bottom one percent. It's mm. free. It's exactly exactly. The same. You'll get the same doctors. You know, you'll get the best of the best because that's how the NHS works. And you're you're right. I'm with you. Amazing service. So we can all complain about it. But that's th- that. You know, if
0: if you think about it and you really appreciate it for what it is and what they're doing and those th- those folk who work in it, you'll maybe not be so so quick to complain. But at the same time, there's a reason why companies and organizations and people specialize in different fields because it's impossible to be amazing at everything. So in the same vein, if my leg is hanging off or I have significant pain somewhere, I'm not going to head to the Apple store. I'm going to head to hospital because I know those people will know what they're doing and they'll be able to sort the problem or they'll be able to send me in the right direction. So why did some absolute, be careful with my words (laughs) here, (laughs) <laughs> Just someone who thought they knew better decide, no, we're, we're going to make our own app because that's what we, we're good at. Because no offense, it's not. And that's not to undermine, and I'm I'm making a very clear stated point here, that is not to undermine the healthcare, the medical attention that the fine folks in the NHS provide. It's not, because it's second to none. But it is questioning why they would make such a decision. I say they, obviously this was a very isolated decision at top level, it wasn't the actual organisation, it wasn't the, the people in it, but it it was a set group of people or a committee or people within a subset of the organization. I just don't understand. I'm not going to go to Apple and Google when I need medical attention. In the same time, if I need an app, I'm not going to go to the NHS and ask them to develop one because it's not what they do. It's not their bread and butter. They're not experts in it. It's not their field. And I, I do appreciate that they are trying their best, especially even with the app, to get an offering that works because they know what they, what information they would like and what works for them and so on. But creating an app through a lip hole, number one, and the whole point of this app is to try and get as many people to download it and use it as possible. It's not going to work if all people see in the headlines is that one, it uses a privacy lip hole or it uses a lip hole through the, the, the software or that the actual phone companies don't endorse it. At least not for me. And so I get the point of view, and I realize why the NHS decided they would try, but I really do not understand why when the two biggest technology companies, two, one of the two biggest companies, without doubt, not even in technology, in the world, with some of the most skilled, expert, and fantastic creative developers, and, and they decided to turn it down. It's their products. They, they make the products. They could make the, the
1: platform and the product. I assume it partly comes from... We know when Apple and Google announced their stuff, the NHS basically come out and went, well, that was a surprise. I think the NHS had this idea. The wheels are in motion um, several weeks before Apple and Google made it publicly announced. Um, and obviously there's still a timeline to the Apple and Google stuff. I believe it's turned up in an iOS beta, but it's still not here. The NHS thing is here. Um, mm. So, And I think we just need to clarify one thing. And I don't know you know this, but the the doctors and nurses aren't the one building the app. And, oh, Absolutely not. The no, NHS absolutely. have a division called NHSX, which is full yeah. of very talented people who definitely know what they're doing when it comes to app development.
0: Sure, sure, I, but that—that's the thing. I—I don't feel that this, and maybe maybe I'm completely wrong, but I do not feel their energies need to be spent this this isn't an NHS problem this is a worldwide problem this is an every company and every person's problem it affects everyone so everyone should take at least some sort of vetted interest which Apple and Google have clearly done and so the best thing in my opinion because that's Apple and Google can't come along and say well we will set up a hospital and we will take the pressure off because it's not their expertise it's not their expertise. so they're trying to do something useful and resourceful and productive the NHS X team could be doing something far more productive for the systems and, and technologies in their own, you know, environments to, and I don't know. I'm, I'm completely talking off, off 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 the cuff here, but to potentially help productivity within a hospital environment at this current time, or to try and build a system to allocate patients to certain wards. I don't know. I just feel as if their efforts could be better spent at the minute when two absolutely phenomenal tech companies are saying, we will create this for you. I don't know. It's just, I, I, something doesn't sit right with me on it. I just feel that this is not the time to start playing tit for tat. And it just seems like that from an outsider's point, there could be more to it and I could be talking complete rubbish, but from an outsider's point of view, this just is not the time to do this anyway. Alas. Version Media and O2. I, I, I've mixed feelings on this because when, when I heard initially, I, I thought, well, what witch have said this could be a problem for the competition and markets authority creating to trying to build a monopoly by any chance you know one of the biggest mobile networks versus one of the biggest ISPs Hmm. problem maybe
1: I don't know tricky because I think we all have to remember that BT have you know BT own the likes of EE and whatnot like Mm. if BT can have a a massive 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 mobile division then Virgin and O2 should be allowed to as well Um, I think people seem to forget that BT aren't this just like siloed do some internet and some phone company anymore. They own lots of um, you know, E plus net the like. Um, but I'm with you. I, I like the witches' comments. The witches, brilliant. <laughs> I like um, witches' comments when it's like uh, neither of them ranked really highly in c- customer satisfaction so maybe fix that first. Yeah. Because oh boy is that true. Mm. Um, Virgin Media have had a rocky six months. I'll tell you that for a fact. Um, even on the business line the customer service has just been Poor. And bearing in mind the advantage of being on the business line is you get, if you have a problem, they'll send an engineer out tomorrow. I feel sorry for anyone who has the same issues on the custo- on the general consumer lines. If you're on a consumer line, the engineer will be out in anywhere between three months and three Christmases from now.
0: Yeah. Um, I-, I remember the one time. I needed b t support this was years ago, and I'm nearly sure it was oh, we'll be out in three weeks. <laughs> can you imagine what response they got?
1: I mean that's just like i, could, cre- can, I, just, I
0: can I just can i can, just can I just confirm it was more like three days after i mean even three days is ridiculous, oh um, well, okay, it was like the next day, but but. Y- I'm trying to... Do you not get it? Trying to create an effect, Aaron.
1: Just, I appreciate the fact they only have so many engineers and I appreciate the fact they can't just magic a problem away in 24 hours. This isn't Amazon Mm. Prime. Um, As the Carlsberg ad go, if Amazon Prime did internet, it would be the best internet. Um, But, yeah, just... was it the other week? I don't know if we covered it on the show where it's just like one day the entirety of Virgin Media stopped working and we're not just talking in a local area, in a single town, in a single city. We're talking about the entirety of the UK virgin media went down and i i found some um someone on reddit did a little bit of investigation, um and they noticed at 17 minutes past the hour every hour it would crash um like it was clearly something was you know running a, a buffer or something you know whatever was happening it was overflowing an hour would crash overflowing an hour would crash like bang on 17 minutes past the hour every hour and this went on for like probably like 4 in the afternoon till 1, 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. 17 minutes past the hour. Every hour. Um, For everyone in the country. It would come back like 5 minutes later, I think. Um, But yeah, O2, I'm not an O2 customer. I can't really comment. Um, But I've heard people have mixed reviews. Although people seem to have, you know, people have a Marmite relationship with, I think, every internet provider or phone provider, whether it be Oh, EA don't or-
0: start me on 3. Do not, d- don't, it's a, <clears throat> Yeah,
1: don't. <laughs> but that's exactly it, isn't it? Some people will yeah. defend three till the end of the Earth. Some people, like yourself, have the opposite experience. Well, I would have. I
0: would have I, I defended three to the salt of the Earth
1: a good few years ago, but... No, not so much, no. I mean, it's not even just their customer service like you've experienced. It's just like speeds are slow, coverage is terrible, and you pay way mm. too much for it. Yep, that's
0: pretty much, that's, that's that's a good
1: summary. Back in the day when the speeds were a little bit slow, coverage wasn't great, but you paid nothing for it. You'd <laughs> you'd go, no point of complaint. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas when they suddenly hiked up the price to more than the other carriers, you go, what am I paying for exactly? And that's when I jumped ship to E EE, not the best name in the world, is it? are not perfect in any way, shape or form but the coverage is reliable it's a case-by-case basis based on where you live. Speeds are 50, 60, 70 megabits which is obviously perfectly acceptable
0: Um, I, sorry just to go back to 3, I know we're on on tangents at the moment but you're just saying about 3 and and their offerings and how they overpromise and underdeliver the best one I heard a while ago on the phone was, if it's not 3 it's not real 5G (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) And I actually, I actually thought to myself, and I'm just Googling it here for for the purposes of the show. And I thought to myself, they can't make that claim. That's, uh, hello, anyone, Advertising Standards Agency. Hello, anyone. And turns out just a month ago, they were banned from saying it. Because BT, Vodafone, uh, and other ISPs and carriers basically said, what? (laughs) So their argument was, well, we are the only ones who provide 5G initially. um, But no, that's not the case now. So three, do one. (laughs) Uh, If it's not three, it's not real 5G. Yeah, it probably doesn't work anyway. Anyway, Sorry. Continue. Sorry, Aaron. Continue with what you're saying.
1: Oh, um, I think it was it. I um, I have mixed feelings about the idea of a merger between Virgin Media and O2. Um, yeah, I part, I I
0: think I I I push towards that no side category.
1: I say no because I agree with what we've said. They both don't have the best customer satisfaction in the world, and I don't think a merger will help that. I think it will hinder that more. But on the other side, they're competing with an ISP that already has a carrier. Mm. They already have, think, but they, they
0: don't have face. the clout. They don't have the influence. I don't think it's many people around BT Mobile than what would Bo2
1: no EE EE is owned by BT so that's the carry I'm talking about also true um, and EE are huge because they are T-Mobile or orange underneath um, it's what carries in this country they have a weird history don't they um, but I think it would be good for BT to get some proper co- yeah proper competition I didn't actually know the numbers before but to hear that Virgin Media only have about 6 million broadband customers bearing in mind we're a set of countries that have 70 million people give or take um, 6 million I imagine the rest are basically provided by bt um in some way shape or form even if you're not with bt directly the company you're with probably rents the line off of bt um which is really in this country why there there is only virgin media and bt the likes of i think Plusnet, uh, sky all these other isps it's still bt um they don't put their own network in like Virgin and BT do, um, yeah. So I think it will be nice to see some some proper competition. Um, obviously, BT just have the advantage that. I believe they used to be nationalized. So, you know, British Telecom, it used to be like Royal Mail. Just it was, BT was the way you got your phone and eventually your internet um, competition wasn't really a thing because being nationalized didn't really need to be.
0: And then the, the the lack of innovation and progress meant that that had to change.
1: Well, I think as consumers, I agree, has to change. But as consumers, we've always said that... Um, competition is king um it's one of the advantages i think we've always had in this country over take somewhere like states i think avoiding arguments like land mass population density etc cetera, etc cetera. just the sheer choice we've had when it comes to the way we connect to the internet who we connect to on our phones etc um the price competition the speed competition We've always really commended on the show. Um, it, it seems like one month we'll talk about how Virgin Media are giving everyone, you know, they're doubling everyone's speeds for free. And then mm. two months later, BT will do the same thing. But they'll do a little yeah. bit more. And then three yeah. months later, Virgin Media will do it again, but a little bit more. Um, like it's like They just push each other forward. Um, so maybe a merger to make Virgin, Virgin no Two bigger is a good thing? I don't know.
0: There, there are definitely pros and cons. And I think it needs investigated first and foremost if it does go ahead who knows what it will bring it, bt will still have them on their back so there will still be that competition it doesn't doesn't mean there's no competition and it could potentially it could work for the greater but the initial headline does ring alarm bells okay on to some salvage i say salvageable but everything we we're talking about was kind of yeah. it was the, the long quick news A new wave of cord cutters is leaving cable and satellite TV for good and experts say it's sending the pay TV bundle into a, quote, Death spiral. This is something we've talked about for a long time. And I guess you could say, well, this is inevitable. Why are we talking about it? And we did debate that because we're just regurgitating what we've said before. However, the figures that come from this are actually quite scary if you are a fan of cable and satellite TV, which you may not be. Massive quarterly subscriber losses in the first three months of 2020. You could say COVID has something to do with it. I don't know. But what's more, internet delivered virtual TV producers registered a net loss in that period too. And so there was a drop of 1.8 million pay TV subscribers in Q1. Translates into an annual rate of decline of 7.6%, which is the fastest shrinkage in that sector on record. 63% of occupied households' traditional pay TV generation has reached a level not previously seen since roughly 1995. There are now as many non-subscribing households as there were pay TV subscribers in 1988. And this goes for the US really at the minute, but the trend is replicated around the world. And I think, this will become more so with the the replication of streaming services by new ones opening up. And and I also think it means that less services will hold a monopoly or will hold a greater proportion of subscribers. I see it being a more equal share across the board for some of them. Not all, but some. There's just more variety. There's more availability. There's more diversity on streaming services.
1: I think people want to, people, yeah, words. People want to choose what they want to watch, don't they? People don't want to sit through adverts, people don't want to sit through a TV schedule. Long since gone are the days where oh, our program's on at eight o'clock. Let's all sit down as a family and watch it. And f- as unfortunate I think as that may be, sometimes we live in a world where everyone has their own personal tastes. Everyone wants to watch what they want when they want. In your car, um you know, not
0: not while driving.
1: Well, exactly, but you know what I mean. Like you watch it anywhere while out for a walk, whatever you want. Um, and I think cable TV just got to the point where. Unless they move to that on demand model, they just can't compete with it. Now streaming services do have the disadvantage that we've we've often talked about where as nice as it is as nice as it is, the sheer amount of choice and the sheer diversity is going to become a little bit of a problem. Um, I think people are going to pick and choose a bit more. It will still save them money, obviously. Um, but I doubt unless you're crazy like we are in this house, you're not gonna sign up to Amazon, Netflix, Apple. Disney, you know, the list goes on Mm. Um, because that just adds up in price. And it gets to the point where you actually kind of back to the prices of cable now. Admittedly, you do then have the advantage of choice and whatnot on top. Um, but yeah, I'm not surprised that during this whole quarantine and lockdown period that that streaming has obviously gone up. I'll be interested to see how those numbers change over the next 12 months. Um, Disney, Disney Plus launched at like the perfect time in this country. I think it launched like 15th of March, which was basically like a week before this country, uh, went into lockdown. So I think Disney like really hit the nail on the head with getting that, getting that launch up early um but yeah i imagine most people are just like how many people have completed netflix i wonder um (laughs) youtube as well i think throw youtube in there we have to remember that youtube have a premium side of things but just youtube content in general i'd be Mm -hmm. interested to know if if viewing numbers advertising numbers etc are all up over the past couple of months
0: I would say In quarter one, the losses disproportionately fell on satellite TV. AT&T shed a whopping 1 million TV subscribers, mostly from DirecTV, while Dish Network dropped 413,000, which is again the company's biggest ever quarterly loss. Meanwhile, virtual pay TV players including AT&T TV Now, Dish's Sling TV, Hulu Plus, Live TV, YouTube TV and Fubo TV collectively lost an estimated 341,000 subscribers in Q1. That indicates that former subs to Sony's PlayStation View, which ceased service at the end of January, appear to have gone nowhere, essentially. Um, the only noticeable TV subscription services to add subscribers in the first quarter of 2020 were Hulu Plus Live TV, which picked up about 100,000 to stand at 3.2 million. And Google's YouTube, which netted approximately 300,000 to reach 2.3 million. Uh, Disney, NBC, Universal, WarnerMedia have launched or are about to launch their own direct-to-consumer streaming services. Disney Plus notched 54.5 million customers worldwide as of the 4th of May less than six months after their initial loss. Very strange, very strange figures uh, across the board for some seeing drops in streaming services. Significant drops, expected drops in pay TV, cable and satellite services. But I think what we're going under at the minute is a, yet again, a renaissance in the fact that it's not just Netflix and YouTube and Hulu now, it's Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, Apple TV+, Plus, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, Google have their own offerings, AT&T have their own offerings sling, hubo, and all the other ones that we don't even know on our side of the pond. So I don't think we can make predictions about the streaming as of now. There's no doubt streaming will continue to grow just high. What it, what will be the proportion to each service? Who will have the monopoly? Will there be a monopoly? Who will have the majority? Will there be a majority? Remains to be seen. Should Qualcomm be worried, Aaron? Should Qualcomm be shaking in their boots that Apple are going to burst into this core Network technology area and steal Qualcomm's Thunder. Certainly looks that way.
1: I think if, uh, if Apple are your primary customer, I appreciate Qualcomm might be slightly different, but let's say Apple are your primary customer and you develop something that can or Apple rely on or you know can be replicated, then I think in general you should be worried that Apple are going to suddenly pick it up and do it in-house. We've seen it so many times before.
0: Apple like to the Sherlock. They like to create their own technologies and, and make their own products in their own products because they like control. Overall, they love control, and that's what Apple had from day one. They made their hardware, they also made their software. And as time has went on, they have tried to reduce the number of external companies they rely on to create their products, and that's to increase profit margins, and it's probably also to increase product compatibility across their board. We've seen it with Apple and chipsets. They completely <laughs> eradicated Intel in their um, MacBook lineup at one point. They create their own chips in their phones.
1: Uh, they haven't eradicated Intel at all. With their own chipsets. On the MacBook, no.
0: I'm getting completely confused here. gonna say
1: all, uh, all Macs are still Intel. Jamie, Jamie doesn't have... Well, I hope you, do you have any insider information.
0: Uh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> no, but the the rumors were that they were working on their own, right?
1: Yeah, we, we expect an ARM-based Mac. Bearing in mind the keyword is ARM based. People have this thing where it's like, ah, Apple invent their own chips. It's like, Apple buy reference chips, I believe, or reference designs off of ARM and then work with ARM to build their own the a10 the a11 12 whatever it is that comes in your shiny new iphone is an arm chip underneath or it's an arm design underneath um i believe there are many you, you're right when you say there are many more things that apple have been moving in-house um apple have been moving more and more of their graphics chips in-house i think like things like the display controller and the iMac pro i think the macbook pro as well was all moved in-house i believe um they bought up when intel sold off their mobile data, or, um, which you call it like cellular chip division, mm. Apple ended up buying a lot of that. Um, there are lots of reasons for Qualcomm to be uh, slightly concerned that one of your bigger customers is going to turn around and become a competitor. The key word there is main
0: customer, which Apple are and have been since the launch of the iPhone. And the key here is not just the iPhone, but uh, sorry, th- throughout throughout the company's history, but but more so the iPhone. You know, the smartphone modem business is. Is worth a lot of money because it is the core technology of any mobile phone, regardless of what features it has surplus to that. Qualcomm's very aware of this. They're very aware that Apple have large ambitions, it's been cited as poaching modem engineers from Qualcomm for years. They've set up shop in San Diego, essentially exactly where Qualcomm are. And further cementing Apple's commitment, they have recently used a key phrase to describe cellular tech. That key phrase, core technology. As you know, we purchased the baseband activities from Intel, CFO Luca Maestri said in an earnings call last week. And obviously, we want to develop that technology because we consider it as a core technology for us. The phrase core technology that's loaded when it comes to Apple, it's reserved for just a handful of critical areas that underpin innovation and competitive differentiation. Anything qualifies as a core technology will typically require many 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 years and billions upon billions of dollars of research and development investments and Apple has the long term horizon and the bankroll to fund the internal development for those technologies and even though some of those expensive bets may not pay off they still put the money into them. So yeah I would be very concerned if I was sitting on Qualcomm's board right now. I would be trying to consider what I could do very differently to stand out from the crowd because if they can't then they have a problem. as far as apple goes
1: yeah i mean bearing in mind qualcomm also make things like the uh, snapdragon chips, which i use yeah, yeah. in every other phone so apple are a big customer i don't believe they're our qualcomm's biggest customer um Apple, one Yeah, Apple will be a huge part of their earnings though, but if Apple disappeared for them, it's not the end of the world. Um, I think the interesting thing is you alluded to it earlier with obviously Apple trying to bring more and more in-house. It means they, like you say, they control compatibility but I think one of the big things is it just decreases reliance. They don't have to adhere to another company's release schedule or, you know, if something's a bit dodgy, a bit iffy, has problems, whatever it is. We've seen it before with Apple got burnt by NVIDIA um, a few years ago where obviously all Macs or a lot of Macs used to have NVIDIA chipsets if they weren't using the default Intel ones you know the higher end ones would use NVIDIA and I believe a range of MacBook Pros had a problem with the dedicated card and I think Apple just got burnt by NVIDIA going this is your problem not our problem and you can't buy a Mac now with NVIDIA chips they are AMD or Intel only. Um, The iPhone I I think the 11 um, was the first, or maybe it was the 10, I can't remember. One of the recent iPhones was the first to use, I think, uh, their own in-house built uh, graphics chip. Um, I think one of the big things with Intel is we have complained for years that Apple are super erratic and irregular when it comes to updating Macs and, and the release schedule there. And I think... We can't pull the blame entirely off of Apple for that one, but one of the big thing things is they're completely reliant on Intel's timeline. Um, Intel have to release the chips. Intel then have to release the mobile chips, and then often Intel make a special version for Apple. You'll sometimes find the chips inside of Apple products, especially I think the mobile range, will have a slightly different code name, which is a slightly different chip made just for Apple. Um, and it's a whole big reliance they have to do when it comes to things like battery life and and stuff like that and speed Apple are completely at the mercy of the innovations that Intel can provide I'm sure they work together um, Intel and Apple have had a bit of a uh, a bit of a history over the past couple of decades of of working together I think we know things like the Intel, uh, the Thunderbolt kind of standard and USB and stuff like that mm. um, but yeah bring all that stuff in house chipsets in house um, bring you know even talking just Intel and not just Qualcomm but um, you sell you technology you bring that one in house it's on you to innovate you stick to your own timelines you create the schedule you do You also increase profits, potentially, bearing in mind you're also suddenly taking on the R&D cost. So I think any profits you probably gain by not having to pay someone else, you lose by by taking on that huge initial cost. But
0: creating more stability within the organization in terms of, as you said, not relying on other companies that that could be worth the money spent especially to to such a company like apple
1: i think that's um that's the nail on the head isn't it i think that's a big thing for so many companies at the moment is and apple have kind of been doing it for years they want to control that end to end they want mm. to control all of it um and apple are going even further when they say all of it they don't just mean the hardware you know cobbling together third party pieces they mean actually they want to make the insides as well yeah um, which in a number of ways will pay dividends for them and I think as a consumer I think we'll get a better product out of it. Um, there have been issue we know I think when iPhone is it the seven? I think that came with like some would come with the Intel baseband. Some would come with the Qualcomm baseband, I think it was. Um, And like the Intel ones had like worse connectivity or something like that. And obviously Apple will source the same part from multiple manufacturers just due to the fact that they must order millions of something at once. And we know they've done it with things like screens. I think like some screens are made by Sharp, some by LG, some by Samsung, I think that type of thing. Um, just because you can't really go and put an order for thirty million screens in from one manufacturer and expect them to deliver, um, so sometimes they've had some quality control from different manufacturers. Some issues with that, so maybe things like that are, are, are what they want to solve, what they want to try and cut down on.
0: We'll see. I, I don't, I don't think this is a rumor. I think it is what's happening. I think Apple are very aware of this industry, and they they have been and still are making inroads to have it in house, at least as as far as possible for them to close Facebook and Google are extending the work from home initiative from uh, from this year to, to the end of the year. So there doesn't seem to be any end date in sight, at least this year for it. They have said that they will let employees continue to work from home, at least for the rest of the year. The tech giants have announced plans to reopen their offices soon, but are allowing more home working flexibility. Google originally said it would keep its work from home policy until the 1st of June, but is extending it seven more months. Facebook said it will reopen its offices on the 6th of July as the coronavirus lockdowns are gradually lifted. I think what they're doing here is saying, well, you can come in the office if you want. You can also stay at home. We are flexible, which I think these companies have been to begin with anyway. I think this will just exenuate the flexibility that they show, at least for now. And it could also be used as a trial period to see, well, do we get more out of our people when they're working at home? Do we get less from our people when they're working at home? How does it work for us? Is it, is it feasible? And this really has been the ultimate trial period for any company wanting to see what remote working will be like when they just didn't have the courage to do it because of fears of lack of productivity or... You know, whatever knock-on effect could potentially happen from doing so. But in this case, they were forced; they had no choice. It was either don't work at all or work from home. And so, this has, I think, revolutionised twenty-first century working for some companies. We said the same last week. We said we're not going to get every company working from home. There are certain industries where you just can't, and there are certain industries you could, but it would not be ideal. So we accept that. And I also think it's important to have a workplace, not just working from home. You know, there are social connotations and aspects to it as well. But There are times when it's necessary and important, so it's nice to see that these companies are staying open to the the idea,
1: I think it's one of the big things to come out of this. And I know we've spoken about this before. is, as you say, the companies that just needed they wanted to try it for so long, and here we are, all forced to take that that push, that leap over the edge. The big thing that will come out of this is how many jobs will actually go back to being hundred percent office based, a hundred percent of the time. Because I think there's going to be a big portion of jobs where maybe, as you say, office hours become reduced. You're right. There is still that need for for social interaction. Um, and, and things like that but when you when you look at the benefit, you know, working from home is done. I appreciate, as we've said, we've made the joke before, you can't build a house from the comfort of your own home. Um, There are a lot of jobs that cannot be done, and that's fine. But jobs that can be done, programming, software, um, design jobs, I imagine, like a whole bunch of let's say, typing some, you know, words into a computer type of job can be done from anywhere, but especially from the comfort of, of your own home. Just think the amount of things it reduces, like pollution, less cars on the road, Um, you know, less chance of road traffic accidents and things like that like there's a whole bunch of knock-on effects it can have and i appreciate that's thinking really big picture but we've seen from the numbers by forcing everyone to stay at home by forcing everyone to work from home we've seen the reduction in numbers the reduction in pollution and things like that that why would we ever want to go back to a world like it was before. Um, if you had the choice to work from home, I think all of us, and I appreciate there are two sides to the argument. There are people that don't want to work from home. I imagine uh, some of us in the privileged position where you don't have kids, things like that, it's a lot easier. I know from speaking to people who do have kids, obviously who can't be at nursery or, or school or whatever at the moment, it's a lot more difficult um, and I fully appreciate that. Um, but maybe there's a compromise. Maybe there's few days on, few days off. I don't know, something it will be really interesting to see the office environment that we go back to. Um, I've always said as well, or I've said kind of since it started um, one of the interesting things with working from home and a lot of Tech companies have kind of pioneered this over the over the years, but this could this could expand is it allows you to hire people that aren't in a commuting distance of your office. Um, a lot of businesses right now, you're stuck with the talent pool that exists in a 25 mile radius of your office because people have to commute. Because if you suddenly say it's remote then maybe the restriction is as long as they're in a close enough time zone or the same time zone whatever it is maybe they don't even have to be that opens up your talent pool massively and the competition gets all that much greater two sides to that as well but there are so many benefits from from introducing or allowing more more people to work from home in more businesses benefits to the company Benefits to the employees, benefits to the environment. Um, it's interesting to see Google and Facebook extending it. Um, as you say, I assume it will be an option when the offices reopen due July time. Um, we know there are other companies led by questionable individuals who are throwing baby tantrums on Twitter. Sure, you already know who I mean. Um, that their office can't reopen when they want it to. Um, so yeah,
0: it's an interesting theory, and I really do feel that. This is the first time as a sector or any sector has been able to trial this. It's not a company because a company, okay, the company can make a difference to a company in in itself, but sectors, it's much more difficult to make a difference to a sector or an industry. But COVID has certainly made sure that there's been a difference made to those sectors and industries because it's forced them to, to adapt and to change very quickly, to act with pace, to act quickly, to engage with their staff. Um, and to continue doing so through potentially unconventional means. Not unconventional for the likes of Google and Facebook, but unconventional for other companies. So, very interesting. I don't think we're going to see it now. I think in two, three years' time, we're going to see whether or not this worked and whether or not there was a knock-on effect. It's only then we'll, when we'll decide, well, it was for the best that, yeah, but people should... Begin to work from home more in certain industries, or hmm no, it's not as productive. Doesn't work, and and again, it could be different for different industries. It could mean a lot for one, and it could mean very little for another. Courses for courses. One thing's for sure, and um, the, the support needs to still be there as lockdown periods, oh, and even as lockdown is is reduced, because. Um, everyone's going to be affected slightly differently in different ways that is it for episode 506 you can find other episodes of the show over at munchtech.tv you can do what we do here podcast podcastassist.com and munchtech.tv slash ultimate podcast guide don't forget our interview with Steve Wozniak the co-founder of Apple munchtech.tv forward slash Woz as well join us next week the 16th of May same time same place for episode 507 until then have a great week stay safe and stay sensible. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.